Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. The readings this morning come from Genesis uh, and Hebrews. First of all, from Genesis 12, verses 1 to 9. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. And from Hebrews. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and as he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Thank you, Peter. And by the way, Pete... Happy birthday. Good morning, church. If I've not met you, my name's Dave Kilpatrick. I serve here as the Director of Ministries, and I'm really excited to be opening a new new series on the life of Abraham. By the way, props to the people that came forward this morning. Well done. Doesn't it feel better? You just don't know what I'm going to hand to you. As, I'm not going to hand you anything, but it's better. It's better. You want to come down the front. Hey, we're, we're, we've got this new series on the story of Abraham. We've just finished a series on looking at the Bible, how we read the Bible, how we can memorize the Bible, how we can absorb it and think about it and approach this incredible book 
written over about 1,500 years by 40 different authors that tells the story of God. And if you missed some of that, go to the podcast on the website. Uh, we heard from Peter and Mark Lilly from Forestdale, Jules and Brian. It's just a great series. But before we get into Abraham, I wanted to just orientate us a little bit in the book of Genesis. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It's got 50 chapters, and it's really divided into two sections. The first section is chapters 1 to 11, and the second section is chapter 12 to 50. Now, verses, chapters 1 to 11 is sort of the, the global picture. The scripture starts, in the beginning was God. The book starts with God, and then it tells the story of the creation of the world, purposeful and intentional by God by design. It tells the story of the creation of humanity. It tells the story of how sin entered the world, and that subsequent to that, uh, humanity just seemed to go on this downward spiral of decay and corruption and pain. And it tells the story of the flood where really God grieved about what had happened to his creation, sought to effectively reboot the story through Noah. But again, the story starts to spiral downward. The last chapter in this first section is chapter 11, and that starts with the story of the Tower of Babel. All of the people of the world spoke one language and they came together and they had this new technology about making bricks and they decided that they would build an enormous city with a great tower and God could see that this was not going to go well. And so he confused the languages of the people. They were all speaking one language but then they spoke multiple languages and, and they couldn't communicate, they couldn't coordinate so they scattered in people groups according to their languages. And then we move at the end of chapter 11 to this genealogy, this story of the family line from Adam into the family of a guy called Terah, who was the father of a guy called Abram, who later became named as Abraham. So this first 11 chapters of the Bible is this sort of global picture of God and creation and what's been happening with the whole of creation and the descent from this beautiful picture when it was created into this downward spiral this terrible trajectory of what started out so beautifully. And the next section of Genesis, from chapters 12 to 50, is really a narrowing of the focus. We've had this global perspective, and now we have the narrowing of this focus where God comes and reveals himself to one person, Abram. And through that person into his family and descendants, that became the people of Israel that takes us through to Genesis chapter 50. And the rest of this extraordinary book of the Bible is the story of God's revelation and purposes for mankind ending in revelation where it essentially brings back the picture of creation, a beautiful with God in communion with God. And so... Where we start with Abraham, it's a significant place in the scriptures. It started really well. God has created intentionally and beautifully and purposefully, and it's just gone downhill. And we're left at the end of chapter 11 wondering, what, what is the hope? It's all going downhill, and the people have been scattered and confused. And then we have this family line, and it's indicating that something particular is going to happen. And so we step into the scripture and we read in chapter 12, the Lord had said to Abraham, 
Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. (coughs) Do people know the difference between destination people and journey people? You know that? Who's a journey person? Put your hand up if you're a journey person. Who's a destination person that journey people drive you crazy? Who doesn't know? Who doesn't care? Get on with the story. I'm, I'm a profoundly destination person. And uh, in, in this passage of scripture, God is talking about a land that he will show Abraham. I wanted to show you the promised land. This is a picture of a land I want to be at. That is a bay on Ningaloo Reef. And I love being there. And I love camping up there. Here's another photo that I love. This is a few of my favourite things. It's my Prado, one of my kayaks on the top, my two boys. There's sand behind me is the beach. Ahead of me is, is uh, the, the Cape Range and some bush. The only way that picture could be better is if my camper trailer was set up at the back of it. There was a big fire pit. My barbecue had some nice pieces of steak on it. And I had my wife and my two beautiful daughters there as well. And then, then I'd just about be in heaven. That is a land I would like to go to. But to get all, I mean, we take an amazing amount of stuff. We've got about four kayaks and paddles and camping gear and meats. And it takes hours and hours and hours to get ready. And then at some point, usually about the middle of the night, we're ready to go. And I get in the car and it is awesome. I have 180 litres of fuel in my Prada. I can drive for a thousand kilometres without needing to stop for fuel. I've got 200 litres of water. My wife can even have a shower up there. We have food for a week and I am on the road. And for about an hour, as I'm getting out of Perth, I'm I'm wrestling with semi-trailers and overtaking them. And after about an hour, there is nothing ahead of me. I've got rid of all those pesky semi-trailers. The road stretches out. My spotlights are on. I've got a lolly snake in my mouth. I am in heaven. And it's just me and the road. And then I hear it. Dad, I need to go to the toilet. (laughs) Mate, can you wait for about nine and a half hours? We'll stop for fuel. Dad. All right, mate, just tell me when you're busting. I'm busting. (laughs) And so with gritted teeth, I pull off onto the side of the road. Now, I would love to tell you that I'm a journey person. I said, man, this is fine. Hey, you go to the loo. We'll light a fire. We'll have a billy. Guys, why don't you get the the torches, see what you can find, see if there's some wildflowers out. When we're ready, we'll jump back in the car. We've been driving for a while. There's, There's no hush. I'm not that person. I'm standing by the side of the road, waiting for whoever it is to come out of the bush, watching, as every single semi-trailer I have wrestled past in the last hour overtakes me. And just before the person gets in the car, it's a race. I can see the really slow, fat one coming down the road. And I can see Lucas, hurry up, come on, let's get in the car. And he gets in the car and he drops the headphones. And we finally get in the car. And just as I'm closing the car, it rumbles past 
I am a destination person. I want to get there. It's not about the journey. Just get in the car. As I get in the car and start, I wonder, would it be inappropriate next time to ask them to go in a bottle? (laughs) It would be. I wouldn't do that. But I honestly want to. I don't think Abram was a destination person. I think he was a journey person. And I think he was a journey person because if we, if we go back to what the scripture had said, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your household. I mean, that is the trifecta. Your country is where you live, where you raise your sheep and your goats and your camels. Your people, that's your tribe, that's your community, that's where you are safe. Your household, your father's household, that's your place of blessing, your place of heritage. That's where you are with your descendants and your descendants will be with you. And God says, leave all of it. Everything you knew, everything that identifies you with your tribe, everything that gives you security, it said leave. And go to a land I will show you. Go to a land I will show you. Now, I'm not only a destination person, but I also used to be a lawyer. Now, if this offer had been made to me, I'd have said, all right, so you, you, want me, you want me to leave all of this and let's just talk about that land for a moment. So, I mean, is it any good? Like, is it, is it better? Because it, it's, is it better than this? And, and like, do I get it? Or are we just going sightseeing? Like, what happens when I get there? Is it just like, well, that was nice. Catch you later. Or, or have we got a thing going here? Um, how, how, how do I get there? Where's the map? Like, come on, I want some instructions. How long is it going to take? And please, can we do it in one shift? Because if anyone needs to go to the toilet on the way, I'm really going to be unhappy about this. No, Abraham says, leave all of that and go to a land I will show you. And he goes. Now, the scripture goes on, we know. And it says, the Lord said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. That is a blessing to other people. I will bless those who bless you and curse, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham has to decide to forsake the land that he's in in favour of a land that this God who has somehow spoken to him will show him in the future. He has to step out of his people, his family, his tribe, in favour of this family that God is going to give him and cause him to be a great nation. And by the way, we learn in chapter 11 of Genesis that Sarai, his wife, is actually barren. She can't have children. And he has to step out of his father's household, out of his inheritance, out of his place of blessing, and step into this promised blessing that this God who has somehow communicated to him would take him on. And he went, we, we, we read this scripture, understanding the Bible, knowing about God, all of that sort of stuff. Abraham didn't necessarily know that. We don't know how God appeared to him. We don't know whether it was in a dream, whether it was a big voice from heaven, whether an angel of the Lord appeared to him as he did subsequent in Abraham's story. We're not told. 
we're just told the word of the Lord came to Abraham and said, leave and go. And he went. Now, as we, as we read this story, we need to hold on to and remember what we're actually reading. See, we can get caught up with the idea that this is Abraham's story. And this is not Abraham's story. This is God's story. The story of Abraham takes place as we look at how Abraham responded to and stepped into the invitation of God. But Abraham is not writing this story. Abraham is responding to the story that God is writing. And we can see really quickly that this is not Abraham's story if we move on. So there's a map on the screen by faith. I speak it, and it is. Hallelujah. So Abraham, we we think, initially came from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. They moved up to Haran with his father, and then he left Haran and went down to Hobar and to Shechem. We referred to Shechem. And um, that's about, about 600 miles. And then from Shechem, he went down to Bethel, and we see he then went to Bathsheba. And then down the bottom is Egypt. He wandered down to Egypt for a while and came back. And the scripture talks about how he, he went to Shechem and he built an altar for the Lord. And at Shechem, the Lord says, see this land, I'm going to give it to your descendants. So firstly, God says, hey, leave all this and go to a land I'll show you. Then he gets there and, and God effectively says, you're not going to get it, but your descendants are going to get it. But if we read in Genesis chapter 12, 10 to 6, now there was a famine in the land. At this stage, um, Abraham was to the east of Bethel. There was a famine in the land and Abraham, and, and by the way, that section sort of through... Um, from Damascus down, that, that's the, the promised land that eventually the Egyptians, uh, the Israelites would move out of Egypt and move into. Now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, now bearing in mind Abraham's 75 years at least at this stage, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. So say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. And sure enough, when um, Abraham went into Egypt, um, people raved about the beauty of his wife. They told Pharaoh. Pharaoh took Sarah into his harem, into the palace to be one of Pharaoh's wives. They gave Abraham some camels, some donkeys, some servants because of that. But at this point in time, we have this extraordinary transition where Abraham has been asked to leave everything and go on this journey with God and steps out in faith and does that. And by the end of the chapter, he's scared for his life, despite the promises of God that he would become a great nation, effectively gives his wife away to Pharaoh This is not a story that Abraham is writing. This is just a man who has problems and difficulties and fears and faith just as we do. We see as we read on that this is a story that God is writing. But the Lord inflicted serious, this is continuing on from verse 17, but the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and this household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me She was your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. 
Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. If it had been up to Abraham, it probably would have fallen over by the end of chapter 12. But this is a story that God is writing. This is a revelation that God is initiating. This is God's move into the progression of his story about how he was going to redeem all of creation. And he's starting with Abram. We see in the promises of Abram that he was going to be a blessing to all nations. And if we follow the story through, we know that Abram had a son called Isaac, who had a son called Jacob, who had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. They were locked up in Egypt for 400 years. They were rescued from Egypt by God through Moses. They were taken into the wilderness. They were given the Ten Commandments. They entered into the Promised Land under Joshua. You had the judges. You had King David and King Solomon. And the line of Abraham continues right up until Jesus. The son of God, born of Mary in the line of Abraham. And Jesus lives dies and rises again as the saviour of the entire world. And we see in Jesus the fulfilment of the promise that through Abraham, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. But when God appeared to Abram, he was doing something more than just starting a family line so Jesus could come into the world. When God appeared to Abraham, he was revealing to Abraham who he was. He was starting a progressive revelation to change the mind of humanity about who the creator God was. And as we read Abraham's journey, as we go through this series, you can see God continuing to step into Abraham's life to communicate with Abraham, to provide for Abraham, to fulfill promises to Abraham. So Abraham is progressively understanding who it is, this God who has revealed himself. And the story of the Bible is the story of the progressive revelation of the nature and character and heart of God. The giving of the law to the Israelites was this revelation to a people from the God of all heaven and earth to say, this is who I am, this is my heart. That was unknown from the gods of that time. And that revelation has continued through the story of Israel right up until Jesus. And Jesus is the the climax of the revelation of God. Jesus said, I came that you might know the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If we want to understand what the nature, heart and character of God is, we see it in the person of Jesus who came as a servant and laid his life down for the world. But we need to understand that this revelation to a person started with Abraham. And it was a journey of faith. He said to Abraham, leave everything that provides you security in the future and go to somewhere that I will show you. We have this remarkable stepping out of Abraham responding to the revelation of God. But if we looked at the end of Abraham's life, he's wondered if we go back to the map, 
He might have covered 12, 1,300 kilometres. He's wandered up, down, back, ends up around in areas in the promised land. He has a son with Sarah, Isaac. He has another son with a slave woman. He has a couple of other kids with some uh, wives after Sarah's dead. And not a lot else happens. He doesn't possess the land. He's still living in tents. And I think if you'd asked Abram at the end of his life, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was the land that you left, was the land that you went to worth the land that you left? Was it worth it? And I think Abraham would have said, it was never about the land. It was never about the land. This God revealed himself to me and invited me to step out of what I knew and go on a journey with him. It was about the God who called me. Where do I draw this from? I think it's inherent in the story itself. Abraham was called to make this enormous sacrifice for something he didn't know. And there were promises about the future, but it wasn't actually going to affect him. It was going to be his descendants. His, his family wouldn't actually inherit the land until 400 years of captivity in Egypt. But if we read in Hebrews chapter 11, the second reading, it's this story of being confident. Faith is confident in what we do not see. And it talks about the ancients being commended for their faith. And it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So it's saying he didn't, he didn't possess this land. It wasn't his. He lived there in tents as a stranger amongst the people who held the land. And it goes on, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. I don't think Abraham saw him entering into a, a buy-sell transaction here. I don't think he saw himself as saying, well, give up this land and I'll give you this land over here. It's much better. Abraham was invited on a journey with this God who started to reveal himself through the story of Abraham. So what, what can we take from this passage? We, we, we understand that this is God initiating a revelation of himself with this man that would continue as a revelation right up through to Jesus. We can understand that this is God's story. In the beginning, God created and we mucked it up and God stepped in and started to reveal his heart and his nature and his character progressively throughout history as he is going about the process that ends in revelation of this extraordinary book where the world will be reconciled back to God. The ending is wonderful. 
We understand that it was Abraham who was responding to the invitation of God, sometimes well, sometimes messing it up, but it was up to God to bring about the story. This is God's story that Abraham is caught up in rather than a story that Abraham is writing. We live thousands of years later in a society and culture that is just completely unrecognisable. But we continue to live in the revelation of the nature and the character of God. The story of God's unfolding grace and goodness in the world continues in the church. And we are invited to step in to the journey with God. A journey that he is writing, a journey that he knows where it will end. And that journey requires us to step out of places of security. It tells us to live a life as if it were we were strangers in this land, looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So we are able to live so consumed by this world, so caught up in the security and the necessities of this world, so worried about what's going to happen in the future that we forget that the creator of all heaven and earth is writing a story through all history in which he will redeem. And he invites us to step into that in faith, to leave that which entangles us and to journey with him. As I reflect on this passage myself, my challenge is actually not to step out and leave. I don't find that too difficult. My challenge is, I think, more that I'm a destination person. See, I think it's about getting to the end, getting the job done, making sure it happens. I tend to forget that I'm not writing the story. God's writing the story. And I can get so preoccupied and busy with the objective of getting to the end that I forget that I'm on a journey with the people I love most in the entire world. On a journey with the creator of God that draws us in out of his love for us and I completely miss the purpose of the journey. To transform my heart. To enable me to love to realise we have the opportunity to stop and just be on the side of the road because that's what we need to do. And I don't have to get ourselves to the end. That's God's job. But when I forget that I'm just responding to his story, I get preoccupied about what I need to do to get to the end. And I forget what Abram understood. It's not about the land. It's about the journey where God shapes me and you and my family together into his likeness so that we more and more reflect the nature and heart and character of a God that would die for the sins of the world in order to draw it back to itself. That's my struggle. That's where I tend to miss and
On a journey up north, I jumped back into the car thinking, I wonder if my kids can piddle in a bottle rather than just rejoicing that I have my favourite people in the entire world with me and we're going somewhere together. For you, it might be different. For you, the challenge might be what you need to step out of. What are the things that hold you and constrain you by fear or security that prevent you stepping into the place that God calls us to step into? And the place he calls us to step into is to love him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves. To live lives that are generous, to live lives that are not so consumed by what is now because we have a hope in the future and we can trust the story to God and we can live free. Now if Abram hadn't went... Revelation would still have been written. The story will conclude as God purposes it to conclude. But if Abraham hadn't went, he would have missed the opportunity to walk in the revelation and story of God. And I think if you'd asked him at the end of your life, was that worth it? He would have said, absolutely. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And it has changed who I am. I started out as Abram. And I finished as Abraham, the father of many nations. I know in my life, I do not want to finish my journey the way I started. I don't want to be in another 20 years who I am now. I want to continue to be transformed and changed and softened and deepened as I continue to step into the invitation to walk with God. And friends, that is the journey of the church. We are his people. And we are called to love boldly, to live generously, to reflect the nature and heart and character of God because we are his progressive revelation to the world about who he is. But God still calls us to leave and to go, to step out of the places that hold it safe, to hold on to the idea that he is writing this story, not me, and to allow him to do what he only can do in us and through us as he goes about reconciling this world and bringing about the ending of this extraordinary story. It's not our story, but this is our moment. Every day we get the choice, are we going to step in and live and journey with God? Or are we going to opt for control or safety? I think Abraham would say, it's worth it. The journey is worth it. And it says... In Hebrews, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these heroes of the faith that have stepped out of safety and lived in the journey of God, we are surrounded by them cheering us on, as it were. Let's, as a community, step out, surrender control, walk the journey with God as the church. 
and allow God to use us as he continues to transform this world that he loves and that he died for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your story in this extraordinary book, the Bible. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love for humanity. Lord, you do not need me, but you invite me to participate in what you are doing. Lord, forgive me for the ways I think that it's a story I have to write. And help me relax into the story that you are writing and just be with the people that you've called me to be with. Lord, help us to step out of the places where we feel safe and secure, where we were caught up in the now and have our hope turned to a city with foundations that you are the architect and builder of. Lord, help us step into freedom so that we can love and serve and bear witness to the nature and character and heart of God. Lord, we can't do that. All we can do is respond to you and trust that you will do that in us. Lord, we want to be on that journey with you. I thank you for the faith of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Lord, you will you increase our faith as you call us out into your story. Thank you, Lord. Amen.